Welcome to the Infertile Mafia, where we talk about schlongs and hoo-hahs. And Sarah, today, it's going to be all about the cajones, the balls, the nuts, the old bean bags. Yes, male (laughs) infertility. Male infertility. And we'll be hearing from my favorite male, my husband. I interviewed Bill and got the dirt on the jerk-off room. That's so great that he was willing to let you interview him. I agree. I think it's awesome that he did that. And just so everyone knows, uh, that's Kayla. (laughs) And that's Sarah. (laughs) We didn't really introduce ourselves there, but... I know it's, it's it's I forget that we're doing a podcast because it's just like we're talking to each other. Does anyone um, really care who we are, though? <laughs> <laughs> so no. we have a little bit of business like we always do up top. First, okay. I have a cold. So if anyone if I sound weird to anyone, that's why. So I apologize. But we officially launched publicly the podcast. I know we're going to be catching up in real time. Um as you're listening here, but uh, our Facebook group since we've launched is like awesome, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's great. It's it's just a really cool group of women and I just, everybody's so supportive and I love seeing all these people connecting with each other that are going through this and I think it's awesome. So if you're not part of the Facebook group, join, uh, join us, the Infertile or- Mafia. Or you could just join and watch if you're too shy. Yeah. That's you don't fine. Have to, you don't have to talk. It might just be a good place, a good source of information for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's that's one. That's the first item of business. Number two, do you use the app TimeHop? No, I don't. No. I used but to. But you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the other day... I got a note, uh, you know, you get the time hop every day and it showed me a time hop from, I think, three years ago. (laughs) And it was a picture that I had taken of where I stored all of my uh, medications, my pills and stuff when I was going (laughs) through IVF. And uh, which, by the way, I stored them in a bead box that I got from Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Oh, that's a good idea. It worked like a charm, everybody, because I got so tired of, you know, like you have so many pills and my, the counter of my bathroom looked like the, you know, like Walgreens or something. So anyway, I digress. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Of a bead box. And, and I was looking at it, reminiscing on the, on those days. And I noticed I had a whole, um, section full of Benadryl. (laughs) Why? Well, because remember in our, uh, episode, we were talking about things you try and we talked about Benadryl and I was like, that's such a great idea. I should have done that. Yeah. (laughs) Turns, turns out I was doing it and I just didn't even know. Yeah, so apparently I, I did take Benadryl and didn't even know Were it. you doing it subconsciously, like just at night, you know, uh, go to sleep? I don't even know. I don't even know if anyone recommended it. I just know that I must have been taking it because it was in my... <laughs> Do you just like Benadryl? I just like Benadryl. I just <laughs> thought it was funny that you... There's so much... there. These cases going through IVF, especially, it gets so complex and bogged down and you take so many things that 
I didn't even remember that that was possibly in my protocol. (laughs) Do you think your doctor told you to take it? Maybe? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not sure. You know what would be better than a beadbox for like all of your IVF stuff? A fish, hit me, hit me fishing, with it. like a tackle <gasps> box. A tackle box. Because you yes. could put your needles and stuff in the bottom mm-hmm. and all the little vials. But then on top, you could keep your pills in oh the smaller sections. Tackle box. We we need to brand a tackle box with Infertile Mafia on the side. Yes. Make it uh, a Would anyone be color. interested in a Infertile Mafia tackle box? I would have bought one. Totally. If we oh, were going to have that thing around. more kids, but I don't see that <laughs> happening. <laughs> IVF is a lot of work. It sure is. And it's money. not for the faint of heart, which is why you're all badasses. Yes. I feel <laughs> like two is great now. In yeah. the In the Facebook group. I think it was a Facebook group. Someone said they wanted four kids. Like, you know, when you're, mm-hmm. you just get married or you're talking about kids, you're like, I want to have four kids or however many you choose. And mm-hmm. I, I think we said that too. How many did you guys talk about wanting? We never said a number. Oh. Which was good because, I mean, everybody thinks about that. How many kids do I want to have? And then you realize you may not have a choice in the matter. It might be decided for you. Yeah, Yeah. we said four. And now I'm like, two is more than great. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You you become just so thankful for the all the little blessings along the way in Mm -hmm. this. Anyway, okay, one one two more things. They'll be quick. I had one to add and I'll add it after you. Okay. This one's quick. We had a correction from our friend Mandy, who's a nurse. She knows everything. And she knows everything. So she's our fact checker. We've told her to tell us when and no, not if, but when we get things wrong. <laughs> we were talking about the cervix and cervical checks. And we said, <laughs> what's the plural of cervix, cervixes? And she set us straight that you say it, what c- services. 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 And she even sent us a link. Look, I'm going to do this. What? Here we go. Wait. <laughs> Did you hear that? I did hear it. Services. Okay. So services. Who would have known? Who would have known? Yeah, not me. So uh, now we know that when we refer to the cervix in its plural form, services it is. Thank you, Mandy. (laughs) Some people have services. Some people have two cervix... yeah. So, oh my gosh. Anyway, sounds like a lot. That's a show unpack. for another day. Right. We'll we'll put that one on hold. Okay, and the last thing, this was something that someone in our Facebook group pointed out to us about the Catholic Church and their stance on art. That was what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I was wrong. You weren't totally wrong. Uh, I Well, after she said, I'm like, no, that can't be right. <laughs> and then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> See, I, I did too. And well, go ahead. Okay. So there is two fertility treatments that the Catholic Church is okay with, I think. 
Was it two? Um, one specifically that I looked up was GIFT or G-I-F-T, which mm-hmm. seems like a lot of work and not something they really do anymore. They haven't done it since the 90s because the success rates are pretty low and you have to do a laparoscopic, a laparoscopic I can't say it right now. You have to do <laughs> laparoscopy. a laparoscopy. Yes, you have to do a lap to do lap. the procedure, which is crazy. Right. Anyway, so they take the sperm and egg. So they, you still have to do an egg retrieval. Yeah, you still have to do the whole egg retrieval and then which the church is okay with. Mm-hmm. But to get the sperm, you have to have sex with a condom with holes. And <laughs> a then, special condom. Yeah, and then they take some of the sperm out of there, and I think they pick one, and they put it with the egg with a little air bubble between them. And then they put them back together in your fallopian tube. Which is where the lap surgically. comes in. Yeah. <laughs> they surgically open up your yeah. fallopian tube, put them in there. Which I would think would cause scar tissue. I don't know. I don't know. Seems like a one or two time deal. Mm. And then they put them in there and hopefully they get together and you get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. But the main point is that they don't do the fertilization for you because that's where they have the hang up. Right. Well, they don't want the fertilization happening outside the body. And you have sex to do it. Right. Right. And then the other one I didn't look up, but it sounded like the form of IVF where they put the egg and sperm together inside of you to mm-hmm. for like the up. five days before transferring it. Up the hoo-ha. Yeah. And in some little incubator something. Yeah. <laughs> Which they people are doing now. But yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I asked my doctor about that. And he said that's for women in third world countries. Why? I don't know. Because it's not as successful? or Yeah, because it's um, cheap like, and not successful. Yeah, that's what I meant. It's not as expensive. I guess it's for people who are places that don't have a good lab. Lab? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. But it's not as successful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all that to say... The Catholic Church still doesn't support most artificial, I always want to say artificial, assisted reproductive technologies. Because it's artificial. <clears throat> right. True. And, you know, because the last thing I'm going to say about it, um, because I did read a few articles and one I read was like from the 90s and I was like, man, this sucks. It's so, it, it sounds just really judgy and also not... Like, I kept seeing the same theme over and over again, that a child should be conceived through love. Like, over and over again, I kept reading that. I'm like, how is it that a child conceived through IVF isn't also conceived in love? Like, just because they, whatever. Anyway, I'm getting on a soapbox. But what I found disturbing was that articles written this year, in 2018, have the same theme, like, of... In other words, it doesn't seem like they've evolved much in their position. No. And (laughs) uh, I will say this. A lot of the thinking and views on IVF from, I don't know, people our parents' age is from information from the 80s. Right. 
which it's, look, it's very different now. Yeah, it's different now. Uh, yeah. I don't have any embryos left. Do you? I do not. I mean, most people don't destroy their embryos <laughs> and they yeah. don't have abortions like after doing IVF. Selected uh, or whatever yeah, it's whatever. called. Yeah. Whatever it's if called. They put in six and you're like, ah, I changed my mind. I don't want six. Take out three. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm exaggerating they, here, but they don't selectively do that. Yeah. I mean, right. for it's high order common. multiples, I think that they offer the choice to people. Right. I'm not it sure. It just doesn't happen very often anymore. No. Correct. So no, you're right. Anyway. anyway wow, we are getting way off topic. Let's sorry. talk about balls. Let, we're talking about the men <laughs> this time. This is all about the men <laughs> and their problems. <laughs> men and your balls. Yes. Sarah, can you give us some uh, statistics on male factor infertility? Um, off the top of my head, I think one third of uh, infertility is male factor and then like another third is combined male factor and female factor something like that I do not have stats in front of me but it's (laughs) (laughs) so I'm just making it up (laughs) so I'm just making up some statistics there's something like that (laughs) no it's you're right you see it everywhere it's they're like sometimes it's the guy sometimes it's the girl sometimes it's both <laughs> and if it's right, both no, I think you're, you're you're in a pickle you're in a pickle like like me yes <laughs> but i that's about that's right but i think the the most common statistic i see is that 40% of infertility cases um, there is some involvement of male factor infertility. It may not be the the whole reason a couple is infertile, but it, like you said, it's either just the male or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. So, and usually they test the guys first when you first they, go to a reproductive clinic. Wouldn't you say that should be happening? That should be happening because that's, that's an easy thing to do. And I mean, I've it's heard so of, easy to jack off into a cup. I mean, hitting the cup. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll hear about that later. Bill's <laughs> going to tell you the story about how he missed the cup. But I've heard of some women who go through all these like crazy, extensive tests, really invasive, and they haven't even done a semen analysis yet. That's just crazy to like, me. No, if your doctor doesn't ask for a semen analysis right away, you need to find another doctor. Uh, if your doctor doesn't do full workup on you before doing an IUI you need to find another doctor yeah you both need to be well investigated before doing anything well and I know that it sucks to do all that testing because of course it's invasive and sometimes it's expensive if your insurance doesn't cover it but I would rather know everything before doing before uh, wasting treatment. time and money yeah. on something that's not going to work. Yeah. Right. Well, and they pick your protocol based on all of that information, too. Of course. It's a no-brainer. So if your husband, if your doctor hasn't ordered a semen analysis for your partner, you need to f- demand one or get uh, a you, new doctor. You can get at-home ones. Yes. We Actually. We'll talk about that. Oh, is that no, later? Well, yeah, it's you in can the notes. Get, <laughs> there are multiple 
at-home semen analysis tests, I think. Like, mm-hmm. there's one with a spinner. A centrifuge of sperm. That's weird. Just spinning, oh. just sperm, just spinning around in your living room. I saved it. I, I had an ad on Facebook. For, is like, it the track fertility one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it right now, but I, I, I saved it. it. I mean, I get a lot of infertility related <laughs> uh, things on Facebook. Yeah, that the track fertility one is a... Uh, you can use it a lot. Like you can use it a bunch of different times. It's not cool. like a one-time thing. And I think the way it works is you put your sample in there and it spins it. I've got the website up right now. It spins it and it's all the the downside of it is really only telling you it's all, it's only giving you one parameter, but it is a good parameter. It's giving you like Which parameter is it? I believe it's the count because um, it's uh, it's testing out the volume, I think. <laughs> um, oh, first response has a test. Is that what it is? Mm, no, I think no. It, it's like its own brand. Yeah. So th- you put you put a few drops of your sample on the, this little test strip and then it uses the centrifuge to spin it and then isolates sperm cells and then it gives you like a quantitative measure of like how much sperm you have i mean that's like a dumbed down version of how it works i feel like you could do the other kind of test like you just get a microscope (laughs) because everybody has one of those laying around (laughs) i have one i have access to it's not that great (laughs) <laughs> it's like one of those fifth grade ones. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Get a grid paper and then see how many are moving. Because <laughs> everyone has time to count millions of sperm. Yeah. And I think that there's some blood tests you can do at home. Um, I'm not sure the brand. I feel like it started with an E. Do you ever Episona? get those ads? What? Episona? Mmm... I don't think Episona is a blood test, but it's another at-home semen analysis. But it's one mm. that's like you 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 give a sample and send it off to. <laughs> I yes. feel like they would send die your splooge into the mail. I know. I thought that too, but you don't have to be. So it's again, it's not as good as a semen analysis that you'll get from a urologist or from so an andrologist. Just go get one of those because your insurance sometimes it covers it. And I don't think they're that expensive. Uh, no, they. I don't remember. Our, I think ours was covered, actually. Um, but if you're not wanting to include a doctor yet, or you're having trouble, like you, you want to do one of these tests while you're waiting to see a doctor or something, then it's an option for you. But um, that n- nothing that, that you can buy, like technically over-the-counter or whatever, is going to be as good as... An analysis from an andrology lab. Okay, I found it. It's called Ever Everly Well. Have you ever heard of them? Mm-mm. Well, they have women's health tests, and it's four hundred dollars. And I was like, oh, I want to try it <laughs> just to see, <laughs> since I already have all my information. Since you already know, but I don't want to spend four hundred dollars just on just to see if it would tell you the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but they have men's blood tests. Like you can get to testosterone, mm. um, STD. <laughs> uh, there's this. Oh, it was seen on Shark Tank. Okay. So. So there's three companies we just listed right there. Track Fertility, Episona, and what's this one called? Everly Ever- Well. Everly Well that you can do outside of a clinic if you want additional testing. But this doesn't test uh, your sperm. It tests it's- cortisol, DHEA, free estradiol, and free testosterone. So male hormones. Yeah. So those are an option for people if you want to look into that. Um, all right. So diving into back into the balls. Um, so we're when balls you, deep. We're balls deep. We they usually fall into like two categories if you have a, an issue, productive or obstructive. So oh, there, there's either an issue with the actual production of the sperm, like at the cellular cellular level in the testicles, or you have an issue like getting it out. There's an obstruction. <laughs> Which is worse? I don't I don't think well, I would guess productive would be potentially worse if you're having trouble even producing it to begin with. It seems like Well, can they go in surgically and Yes. Well, I don't know. I that I don't know. But before we get into that, I want to read this little article that I found on Newsweek about the rise of infertility in men. And it was just written a few months ago, so it's very current. Um, oh, good. Yeah. So I'm going to read... It's kind of long. It's not too long, but it's a it's a very long article, but I would suggest that if you're interested, if male factor infertility is a thing you need to learn more about, I would definitely recommend this article. We'll link um, it in the we'll show notes. In the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... It may take a man and a woman, or at least a sperm and an egg, to form new life, but it is women who bear the medical and psychological burden of trying to get and stay pregnant. It is women whose lifestyle choices are endlessly dissected for their supposed impact on fertility, and it is women who hear the ominous tick of the biological clock. Women are bombarded with countless fertility diets, fertility-boosting yoga, and all the fertility apps they can fit on their phone. They are the target of a ferti- fertility industry expected to be valued at more than two point, no, $21 billion globally by 2020. Even the CDC fixates on women tracking infertility in the U.S. by tallying the number of supposedly infertile women. It is as if the entire medical realm is shaped to cater to women's infertility and women's bodies. For men, there's just nothing there. That absence might be understandable if women were solely responsible for the success or failure of pregnancy, but they're not. According to the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, the male partner is either the sole or contributing case in about 40% of cases of infertility. So, and then they go on to talk about the, the meat of the article is how infertility in men is on the rise. And, um, like even between like since the seventies, the sperm concentration in men, since they've been tracking it in the seventies, has fallen by 52%. Whoa. I know. Right. It's huge. Do they give a reason or do they have any hypothesis? They do. Hypotheses. 
They think, according to this article, this is not going to be shocking to anyone, but link, the things that they list, um, links to the high rise in male infertility include, and this would be other than hereditary or congenital issues, sedentary lifestyle, smoking, excessive alcohol consumption, stress, age, environmental exposure to toxins, and heat. Remember, keep the balls cool. Don't put your laptop on your lap. <laughs> That's right. Get your snowballs. <laughs> Stand up every now and then. Right. Because, you know, sitting down would probably keep them heated up. Right. And then the last thing in this article that um, gave me some pause was that it said... A 2015 study found that men diagnosed with infertility have a higher risk of developing health issues like heart disease, diabetes, alcohol abuse, while another connected infertility to cancer. So, it, And it's not saying there's a direct correlation, but they are saying men that have, um, that have male factor infertility, there may be, you know, it's like one of those, this could be a symptom of something larger happening in your body. And maybe something you need to pay attention to. So I wonder if like toxins could also have something to do with it, like pesticides or weed killer. Right. Well, um, I've talked about how Bill and I both have MTHFR, which is a part of that is like an inability to rid our body of toxins, which makes people with MTHFR more susceptible to environmental exposure of toxins. So. That was, um, and that was one of the reasons we got on this huge high dose of CoQ10. We both did um, to help the the swimmer quality. But <laughs> it's like similar to eggs. You have, I think it's like what forty to fifty days or something for new sperm production. Ninety. Like it's ninety. Yeah. So it's not like you can take something for a week before you give an, a semen sample it has to be for several months for mm-hmm. any kind any kind of change any kind of lifestyle change you make to have an effect yeah so yeah anyway. i wonder if city living could have anything to do uh, it could and we live in the city do you have a lot of smog <laughs> there no not really i don't know about chicago i've never been to chicago <laughs> well you need to come visit <laughs> i want to visit and ride the train the L? Yeah. I don't know. It's not that great. Oh. <laughs> Mass it's... transit seems so interesting to me. <laughs> Unless you live here and have to use it, it loses its luster pretty quick. I bet. The trains and buses smell like pee. So, Ew. yeah. That's They're gross. not as glamorous as they seem on TV. <laughs> Ew. Anyway. Anyway, so... Moving on, let's talk about a few male diagnostic tests. So after you have seen an RE or a urologist, these are some of the things they're going to they're gonna do for you. Uh, Sarah, do you want to list some of those? Read sure. Some of those? So before seeing a urologist for males, uh, you'll probably have a semen analysis. And then depending on your results, if you have some results that are iffy, you'll probably be he will probably be referred to a reproductive urologist or just a regular urologist. Mm -hmm. I mean, a reproductive urologist would probably be better, but who knows if you would have one around you. 
Mm-hmm. Then after that, uh, depend they'll do a lot of blood work, um, checking all kinds of blood work like testosterone, your FSH, your LH, estrogen, um, a lot of the cholesterols like that. Um, there's a bunch of other blood tests. And then depending on those, if they can't really figure out what's going on, they'll have you do an ultrasound on your testicles <laughs> looking for <laughs> varicose veins. And then right. from there, I mean, they would either decide varicocele. if... Varicocele. Is that what mm-hmm. they are? I was mm-hmm. thinking they were varicose. Well, they, they are. That oh. is, that's what it is. It's just like a varicose vein in your balls. In your leg. Oh, yeah. But it's in your balls. And then this they'll... Same idea. Yeah. They could cook yeah. your balls. <laughs> and then they could maybe remove them if there's they're causing problems or... If they're... Yeah, that's a... Yeah. That's a decision that you would make with the urologist and the um, treatment for varicoceles is like pretty controversial in terms of infertility because it really hasn't been known to make that much of a drastic difference in a lot of cases. Yeah, so, so it like, may or may not work. Exactly. And like Bill had a small one, I think, that the doctor was like, this don't even bother removing this. And especially... If you already have other like parameters of your semen that are not great and you're probably headed towards IUI or IVF, then there's really no, probably no sense in having a varicocele removed unless it's like really bad, you know, like if the doctor and the doctor will know that. But if you're going to need to do IVF anyway, it's probably not worth it in most cases to have that surgery. No. So, I mean, uh, have you ever heard what... uh, varicose or varicocele uh, veins in testicles feels like or looks like. (laughs) It looks like a bag of worms. Yep. (laughs) It does. I believe you. So, ladies, look at your man's balls or if there's a guy listening, if your balls looks like a bag of worms. Feel your balls. Yeah. If it looks like bag worms. Have you ever seen bag worms? No. Yeah, that you could have those pains. Give your balls a wellness check. Like, ladies, check your boobies. Men, check your balls. Yeah, that's important. (laughs) But Uh, one last thing on, or go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't really know much about this next test. I thought maybe you could explain it. Oh, the postcoital? I will. Yeah. But the last thing I was going to say about the urologist is... That you don't, you actually, you don't need to wait for an RE. It's kind of like we, we saw a urologist before we saw an RE. Really? You don't have to, yeah. We just, like, you don't have to wait for them to send you to one. And then, and then we got everything done at once. Semen analysis, uh, ball, ultrasound, blood work, the whole thing. So, got that out of the way. Um, Okay. Postcoital exam. <laughs> Is that pretty self-explanatory, or pretty much? <laughs> yeah, they're just making sure that, uh, that yeah. So you have sex, then you go in the next morning. Okay. And they extra- <laughs> and they extract any fluid in your cervix. Oh, what? And yeah, and they no. check for 
They check to see if the sperm are still, they check, they should still be alive 24 hours later. So, or less than 24 hours later. Did you so have to checking. do this? Yeah, I did. Weird. They're checking. They're like, go home, have sex, come back. We're going to suck the <laughs> any existing splooge that's up in your cervix and test it to see if any of the sperm are still kicking. I, yeah. I was thinking they make you do it in the office. Well, it, well, oh, you mean have sex? Like have sex in the office. Oh. And we'll be back no. in afterwards. Right. <laughs> that might be just as bad as the jerk off room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but, and this is, so at my clinic, this, this is a side note, but this drove me crazy. They, the nurses would always say, have romance. <laughs> like when they're referring to sex, I'm like, just call it sex or intercourse. Just say, go home, have sex, go home, have intercourse. But they would be like, okay, tonight I need you to make romance. It's like, oh, that- <laughs> no, oh, no, makes my skin crawl. Like it's just call it what it is. We yeah. don't need it. I don't need you to give me a fluffy term. Go home and make love. For clinical no. <laughs> purposes. Right. <laughs> so anyway, that test is also, that's making sure that your cervical mucus isn't attacking the sperm. So, because you want them obviously to still be alive. So that's what the postcoital exam is for. And then the last thing on our list is the good old semen analysis. And Sarah and I are going to break this down for you. <laughs> break it down. Um, we're going to break it down because it can be kind of daunting. Like when you get the test back and it's just like, what am I looking at? What does all this mean? Right. So we're going to so. we're going to tell you what it means. We're going to decipher the semen analysis for you. It's really broken down into six parameters that that they're really looking for. It's kind of like the 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 four C's of uh when you're looking for an engagement ring, like color, <laughs> cut, clarity, cl- what cost, what I don't know what they are. Come. Come. <laughs> so, the first one you're looking for is volume. So, right. That's how much spunk actually comes out of the dangler. And so they're looking for 1.4 to 1.7 or greater than one, two milliliters? I don't know. 1.5 to 5 milliliters is what I had as like a normal range. Okay, I'm looking. I need to look somewhere else, I think. <laughs> and a low volume could indicate a blockage or a dysfunction in your seminal vesicles or your prostate or somewhere in that obstructive uh, region that we were talking about. So that's number one. Number two is concentration. So that's how many actual little t- you know tadpoles come henceforth from the splooge per, per milliliter. Yeah. Yes. The concentration is all about how many are in a milliliter that you have. So, and the normal is approximately 15 to 20 million is that's roughly normal. Um and again, lower numbers could indica- indicate that sperm is being blocked from coming out. So um, that's number two. 
Number three is the count. So concentration and count are kind of confusing because they're very similar. The count is the actual number of sperm present in your sample. So no matter how many milliliters of sperm you have. And normal is approximately greater than 40 million. Which it seems crazy. like a lot. It's a lot. It's so many. I just think about, I live in a city with 8 million people and I'm like, there are so many people here. That's 40 million sperm. It's like two New Yorks. <laughs> and only one of them needs to get to the egg. <laughs> you would think of out of that many, they could get the job done. But we're going to, as we move down these parameters, you're going to find out how lazy they are. <laughs> um, so number four is motility. Sarah, you can jump in anytime. I'm, just I, I'm like... trying to find <laughs> something to look at. So motility is how they move. Like, are they moving in a straight line quickly? Or are they kind of like moving in circles? <laughs> are they just sitting there? And sometimes they will break it down into four different um, parameters under motility. Like, if they're not moving at all, if they're kind of moving, like twitching, if they're <laughs> moving in circles, or if they're yeah. moving in a f quick straight line. Right. You want them to move in a quick straight line. Right. And some of them are just napping. Some yeah. are like kicked are back in the lazy dead. chair. Some are dead. Some are just like drinking a beer. Yeah. They're just like, nah. So you <laughs> want about 40% of them to be moving. And then I think that you want at least 30, from what I'm looking at, the lower range, 32% to be moving in a quick straight line. Right. I guess it depends so, on your test. It would change. They'll tell you ranges on the semen analysis, usually. Yeah. They usually give you ranges. But that just goes to show you how quickly your numbers are dropping because out of your, if you had 40 million in your sample, um, and that's a normal sample, so that's not most men that have male factor infertility, um, now they only expect in a normal sample 40% to be moving at all. Like this, we're not even in a straight line yet. We're just ones that are moving. And then out of that, they want, like you said, you, they want them to be moving in a quick forward motion. And that's going to weed out when they do a sperm wash. That's how they weed out all the, the dudes going in circles. <laughs> I you mean, know. if they're going in circles, they're not going to make it to the egg. No, no. And then the last one is number six, or total modal count would be number five. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're talking about. The, the ones that have the people, the sperm that have forward progression. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a normal sample is going to have approximately 20 million. Um, now, morphology is the last one. I feel like this, this one's confusing. It is confusing. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't really understand it when... We were first doing the semen analysis. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's all about their shape. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. how they're shaped. And the weird thing is they only need 4% to be shaped correctly. To, to be normal. To be normal. Yeah. So, yeah, this is like, do they have two heads? Do they have a really short tail? Do they have two tails? Do they have a football-shaped head? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in this they can case, have a lot of problems. Right. But in this case, you it's like 
you don't want the the Jack Blacks of sperm. You want the Brad Pitts. You know, oh, yeah. you want you want the perfect specimen of sperm, <laughs> <laughs> or know? whoever you think is perfect, or yeah. whoever you think is perfect. Yeah, Brad Pitt actually is not perfect, but he's very nice to look at. If you ask yeah. me, <laughs> yeah, he's from so, a town like two hours away from me. No, like an hour and forty minutes away from me. He's from Missouri. Yeah, he's from Springfield. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Well. Brad Pitt facts. This is what you. This is what you get in the Infernal Mafia podcast. He's from the Midwest. Can't you? Tell? You would never know it now. <laughs> he has lost all his Midwest roots. Yeah, yeah. So, so going back to the morphology, the there's two scales that measure morphology. So you have the World Health Organization scale, which is not used as common anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Kruger strict scale, which is um, measures them much more strictly. Like they're really, they're like really weeding out the. That's the four percent, right? Correct. Right. Okay. So when you're reading about morphology, this is where you get like differing. You're like, wait, this website says normal is forty percent or greater, and this, or when you get a semen analysis back and it says four percent morphology, and you think that sounds terrible, when actually it's not. So I would ask your um, andrology lab if you have a question which scale they're using. So on the Kruger strict morphology scale, if it's over 14% are normal, then you're like, that's your, you got lots of Brad Pitts. Yeah. Okay. That's like your super sperm category. Um, If you're between four and 14%, you're still normal, but there might be, you know, a possible decrease or Im- impairment in your ability to fertilize. And if you're below 4%, that's where it's like, nah, this is this is going to be tough for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can see how below 3% of whatever your first number was, it there's really, it becomes a fairly small number of sperm that actually can get the job done. You know, that can swim all the way up into the fallopian tubes, penetrate the egg, and fertilize it. So it's yeah. actually, it is like a Mount Everest for sperm to get up there. It's That's a why lot you of need work. millions of them. It is a lot of work. They probably have to climb on top of each other. Yeah. Like, and use protection. Like, <laughs> there will be the ones on the outside that yeah. get eaten by, you know, Something. the fluids. <laughs> I it's don't know treacherous. What I'm it's a treacherous hike it to is. the egg. Yeah, it There's really is. Bears everywhere. <laughs> Something attacking you from all angles. <laughs> Poor little okay. guys. I know. <laughs> but then there's the lazy ones, so I don't really feel that sorry for them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're gonna segue into we're gonna share some adventures. From the jerk-off room. <laughs> yes. So this one is from Facebook, and it's from Whitney. She said, my husband's worst experience was the doctor right outside his room talking about a sandwich for lunch. <laughs> Hubby was getting frustrated, I guess, because he couldn't concentrate on the task at hand. I wonder what the sandwich was. <laughs> like, Sarah wonders what the sandwich was. Was it a really good sandwich? Because I've been thinking about this sandwich from Harpo's. 
It was so good. <laughs> Remember, anyway. Sarah's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this next and one's She from... put the task at hand in quotes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> task at hand. That was funny. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. So this next one's from Brett. She said, this is timely. I just saw the story on Reddit and had to send a screen cap to my husband. I love the part about the cup being upside down. We haven't had a huge mishap. We haven't had any huge mishaps. His first semen analysis was marginal male factor infertility and his bro urologist. So I'm guessing his brother's a urologist. Uh, I think she means like he was like a bro guy. Oh, oh. <laughs> that would not be the greatest kind of doctor to have. <laughs> Asked him if it was his best work, in quotes. Yeah, like, hey, man, was that your best work? I could just see him, you know. Like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> isn't it all the same, really? Uh, Not according to my husband. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Cue crickets. Luckily, yeah. <laughs> we did a follow-up, and it wasn't his best work. Oh, well, I guess it wasn't his best work. See, there you go. The second one was normal. Um, I don't see the story from Reddit. I guess she oh. included a screen cap. So uh, if you want to see the story, you have to join the Facebook group. Right. <laughs> it was a it was a story that so, when someone was talking about their they had the cup upside down. So when he Ooh. went to oh no, whoopsie. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. I know. I just read an article <laughs> about. Uh, infertility clinic workers stories oh that would be amazing pretty bad yeah i will link it in the facebook group good i would enjoy that i would really enjoy that yeah there was a couple more i uh whitney added a few more she whitney and her husband they've had they've had a few (laughs) a few instances so another one she wrote was uh, running from the OB office to the lab with my husband's spermies between my boobs, laughing hysterically <laughs> about what an adventure our life is. And I told her that we did that more than once as well. <laughs> Had to keep the sperm in the boobs because you have to keep them warm. That makes after sense. After they give the sample. Yeah. And then she also wrote the very first semen analysis where a crotchety old nurse took us both into a room and we were both floored. Neither one of us had planned for me to be in the room and poor hubby could not do it with me in the room. I was too mortified to even offer to help and just left him alone to finish up the job. Have you ever heard of... Oh, you said that was your experience. The first time we went to have his semen analysis, they're like, okay, you come back here. I'm like, wait, I have to go back? So that we get back there and it's like a bathroom without a toilet, but with a big leather chair in it. Mm-hmm. And then like weird porn magazines. <laughs> right. Like boobs everywhere. <laughs> and they're just like, okay. Have fun. So, yeah. And I was like, do I have to do everything? <laughs> I guess I do. So. That, I, have to I don't do think everything. that's. Oh man, I've never heard of that until you told me, and then I read this of them, like inc- to me that is like the weirdest. That's even weirder than uh, just going in there by yourself. Like, 
Uh, I think it'd be super weird if you went in there and then you're just like, so you going to do this? <laughs> like being the wife, just like watching. Right. Yeah, that is so weird. I feel never... like some people are into that, but like. Yeah, maybe. But I. Yeah, it's it's either it's either like this is your thing or we're doing it together. But that's a weird like it be in like tweener. It's but like not while I'm in the room. R- that's what I mean. Like you're either in here by yourself taking care of business or we're doing this together. But I'm not going to stand in the corner and watch you. Oh, one time my friend's husband used lotion, and his and that's semen a analysis came back really bad. <laughs> yeah, I you don't, can't use any helpers. Yeah. Yeah, no, you can't. So don't use lotion. Or, or uh, you know. Spit? Yeah. Oh, is that what you were going to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it I kills I was the trying sperm. to think of a, of a tactful way to get that. But yeah, spit. Spit. Nature's lube. Spit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so she has. No helpers. Go ahead. No Sorry. helpers. She has one more. And she says, once for an IUI, there wasn't a room available for him to give a sample so he had to use the bathroom <laughs> that was for the whole floor of offices. I seriously stood guard and made sure nobody went in there while he was in one of the stalls. <laughs> oh, Isn't no. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's so awkward. So awkward. Just in the bathroom with your wife standing guard trying to make sure nobody comes in. <laughs> That is a lot of pressure. That is. How? Why would they do that to him? I don't know. I mean, I guess because I'm sure her appointment for the IUI was at a certain time and they needed the semen and blah, blah, I don't know. That's so awkward. Yeah. And seems unsanitary. It does seem unsanitary. But you can give it from anywhere. Like Bill's going to talk about how we did our samples. We did a bunch of them at home. I thought you were going to say the car. sounds illegal (laughs) it does sound illegal like what's (laughs) happening in this car (laughs) Uh, so we're gonna be playing bill's interview next yeah so enjoy this interview between me and my sweet hubby All right, Bill's sitting next to me. We're in our closet. And I'm going to start off by talking about him like he's not here, even though he's literally six inches away from me. But I wanted to first just thank him for agreeing to do this interview because I think it's a really awesome thing that he's doing to give um, male infertility a voice. It seems like there's so many resources at least a lot more resources for women and there's just not a lot out there for men so I think it's really awesome that he's doing that doing this so without further ado Bill are you ready I'm ready okay watch this wait for it let's go <laughs> okay Sorry, that was just me being a dork. <laughs> so, talk to me about the jerk-off room. <clears throat> Where do I begin? <laughs> uh, I visited this room quite a few times, more than I ever thought I would. 
I guess the first thing I would say is that they, and I'm assuming many others like them, could could use to refresh their collection <laughs> a little bit. Seemed a little dated to me. Um, and considering uh, how often <laughs> they do this, which is daily, you would think they'd be a little bit more in tuned with that. But whatever. Uh, the material was the material, and we did the best we could. <laughs> what do you mean by dated? Well, let's just say that some of the material I remembered from when I was first legally <laughs> able to view porn, which was 15 years before this all happened. We're talking early 90s. Well, not the, quite that long ago, but... Uh, Late 90s, anyway. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up, but I actually want to, I want to back up. I want you to uh, walk me, I want you to walk me through the Andrology Lab. So I want every, every last gross detail, like, like gross is in major detail. Okay. <laughs> you walk in and it, it's like walking into the waiting room of any other appointment you may have. Dentist appointment or flu shot or whatever. It's just <laughs> kind of a little room and there's a counter there and a, a glass window and a, there's a gal behind there. Her name is Sue. Sue. Um, I'm not sure if we should use her name, but we're going to. <laughs> and I'm assuming she's still there and she was very nice, very helpful considering the job she has we love sue and uh she would ask you to complete the requisite paperwork <laughs> which is essentially signing a sticker that goes onto the vial of your sample so that they know whose it is which is actually pretty important yeah Ooh, yeah and uh then, normally, uh, all but one time, she would tell you to go on in and start. <laughs> uh, one time when I was there, ha there happened to be somebody else in there before me, which, of course, was awkward. And so I sat in the waiting room, just like you do if you're at the dentist office <laughs> or whatever, and you're reading whatever magazine, whatever non-graphic magazine was sitting in the waiting room and uh, you're thinking about what's happening in the room about which you're about to go into. I'm going to rephrase that. You're thinking about the room into which you're about to go and what's happening in there right now while you're reading you know, Reader's Digest, Chicago Magazine, or Sports Illustrated, or something like that. Trying and, not to think about it, but it's all you can actually. And you're, think you're about. knowing that you're about to go in there and do the exact same thing, which is odd, <clears throat> but whatever. <laughs> and then the fellow comes out, and you sort of make eye contact, and you nod, and you say, "Hey, how's it going?" And yeah, good. <laughs> and then you kind of stop short of saying how to go in there because. Who the hell would want to be asked that? <laughs> but anyway, 
Then it's that was only once. The other times I was there, no one was, no one else was in line, so I, I could go and and uh, Sue would tell me to go on in and take my time. <laughs> and so there would be the twenty-year-old collection of adult magazines. Wait, magazines. Yes, I said magazines already. What? The, there wasn't a TV. No, there's no TV. What? What about Wi-Fi on your phone? Tried that. <laughs> this, this this particular section of the building is on the main floor, and, and it's a great big bunker of a building, concrete block constructed. Wi-Fi wasn't getting anywhere near this little corner of the, of the building, so that was a... That <laughs> we were would, left with the 90s bush. That was not an option. Um, and then there's a recliner in there, along with a bench, and a toilet and a sink. Uh, I didn't really get the recliner, <laughs> because if you think about gravity, oh. and what needs to happen when this, when this goes on, a recliner didn't exactly work with the <laughs> the uh the event that's that's about to happen. So the recliner was just kinda useless. I mean I, I guess if you wanted to sit there and kinda warm up Oh jeez. You could, but I didn't want to be in there any longer than I had to, so I didn't I didn't use the recliner. <laughs> I wouldn't wanna touch anything in the room. No, you don't really roll around in there. <laughs> You kind of touch as few things as possible, <laughs> and this sounds awful. Get, get, I'm sorry. Get down to business. Take See. take care of it and move on. Screw on the cap. Head back out. Hand it to Sue. Hand it to Sue. And leave. Sweet little Sue. Sue is. I mean, we keep talking about her. <laughs> She's the greatest. She's like this sweet little grandma looking lady and you would never know that she's like literally handing sperm all day long and one time when I was there uh, with you I met you I think it was I think it was after one of our IUIs I don't know I met you in the lobby and um, no one else was in there so I took it upon myself to be super nosy like I sometimes do and I walked up to the counter and I was like, hey, Sue, I have this burning question because I wanted to know how how do we know that the sperm that came out of this penis gets to this vagina? You remember this conversation? Yeah. Yeah. So she was wonderful. She like took the time to really explain to us how this all works. And it totally put my mind at ease. Barcodes. Bar. Oh, barcodes. Yeah. Yeah. But still, like, you still, like, the worry ward in me has this, like, what if the samples get mixed up? Oh, no. So, but anyway, all that to say, she was great. We really appreciated Sue. But it was just a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. Kind of a stressful situation, it sounds like. Yeah, it was. But I kind of got used to it. <laughs> As much as you can. Yeah, because we were there a number of times. Right. But we were able to eventually take samples from home. Yep. We thought that might work better. Thought that might work better, and we live close to our clinic, and so they told us that that was an option. 
And uh, so I want you to next tell everybody about that time you missed the cup. <laughs> well, we, like Kayla said, we had gotten some cups that that we could that were sterile and that we could use at home and then and then head over to the clinic right away they want you to keep it warm so but we live so close that we thought we'd try this instead because it was maybe a little bit more comfortable environment to with with wi-fi with wi-fi right (laughs) modern day porn (laughs) so we tried that a couple times and the first time we did maybe it was the second time i don't remember but anyway, uh, we had it all planned out. Kayla was going to get the car out of the garage where we park and pull it right out in front of our front door. Because we live in a condo. We live in a condo. So it, would, it saved a lot of time. So, right. <laughs> that was the point. Time so was I, of so the So I essence. could just head down the elevator and, and she'd be right out in front and away we would go. So that was the plan. So... She left. I was in the bedroom, <laughs> and uh, got to my business, and I missed, or partially missed, I should say. <laughs> um, and this is when I started to say that they need to have bigger cups <laughs> because they're not that big, and you know. Who's ever practiced aiming on a thing like that? It, it just, it's not something you think about. It's hard. <laughs> and I missed. And But we had an appointment, and some of it was in there. <laughs> so I tucked it between my the waist of my pants and, and my body to keep it warm and rushed down to the car. And I was pretty upset and stressed and... I think I probably swore a time or two and said I fucking missed or something like that. You did. But anyway, we drove off to the clinic and (laughs) and hoped for the best. And uh, I don't know. I think that ended up being a decent sample. I don't remember exactly. It was. It ironically was one of the best ones we ever had. Yeah. But it it really was. I felt like we were like Bonnie and Clyde. It was like a bank heist. Kind of. We were just... um, Stealing sperm from your body instead of whatever money. <laughs> yeah. But it really was. I kissed you goodbye, knowing that you were going back into the house to do this thing. And I was waiting outside in the car, and I had one of those like out of body surreal moments where I just thought to myself, What is happening right now? What are we doing? This is so crazy that this is what we have to do to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And then you came out the door, <clears throat> excuse me, you came out the door and I could tell you looked upset and you hopped in the car and your exact words were, I missed the fucking cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> and he looked really pissed. <laughs> and then we were both really upset because we thought, oh no, this is going to, we're going to get it over to Sue and she's going to say that we don't have enough for you to do an IUI and we'd have to wait another month and you know how this goes, all the waiting is just treacherous. That's the thing. I mean, I I could have tried again the next hour, the next day, the, 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 the next day and a half or two, but 
It wouldn't have mattered because you had a tiny window of time yeah. for an IUI. Yeah, you got to time it with your wife's body. and that's Which adds why, pressure. That's why I was stressed. Well, yeah. It's a stressful thing. So anyway. And pro tip, everyone. we To keep it warm, we stuck the semen in between the boobies. It's one of the warmest spots. So there I was walking through the hospital. No big deal. Splooge in the boobs. Yep. It's <laughs> a good spot for it. It's a great spot for it. But for anyone who hates the jerk off room, maybe that's an option for you. To and we did thereafter learn at request that there are wider mouthed cups. <laughs> that's right. I think we ordered them from Amazon. No, fact. we did not. No. No, Sue gave them to us. Okay. And we were lamenting to Sue, like, because we told her when we got there, we're like, you said, I missed. <laughs> I missed. <laughs> and, uh. Try telling that to a stranger. You know, <laughs> it's like Michael Jordan. Isn't he the one who said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't make, take, make? Right? Didn't he say that? He said, you miss. A hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yes. Yeah. But it's the that, same but, thing with, with but that didn't help. I'm just I'm just saying if you don't even try. No. You'll <laughs> Okay, that was a bad analogy. Anyway I was not thinking about Michael Jordan during all of this. <laughs> I promise you. Anyway, she told us you don't have to use these tiny cups. We have bigger cups. Yeah. So she sent us on our way with these larger mouthed cups. Mm-hmm. And apparently we still have them. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of them floating around here somewhere. <laughs> so if anyone out there needs a wide mouth semen sample cup. If you know that you have <laughs> poor accuracy or if, if you're you, not the Michael Jordan. Of the or sp- if you're like me and you have no givers. idea what your accuracy is. <laughs> I recommend the wider mouthed. Cups. You can email us at infertilemafia at gmail.com. It's not like you're going to fill the whole thing up anyway. <laughs> Nobody needs that much sperm. By the way, I don't always look around that much in here. I'm usually just grabbing my jeans or whatever, but... <laughs> We're in the closet. You have a lot of shoes. Seriously. I don't have that many shoes. Yes, you do. I don't have that many shoes. I don't know what everyone else's closet looks like, but it's very obvious <laughs> in our closet whose side is whose. Yeah, and only about half the clothes in here are actually hung up. <laughs> the rest are in a pile. One of us is one of us is very neat and one of us is not. Can you guess who's who? Yeah, and oddly, it's the one who missed the cup. (laughs) That's neat. When have you ever worn those green ones? (laughs) I wore those to a wedding last year. No. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) I have like three pairs of shoes in here. You have 33. Anyway, Bill, do you have any... um any advice, any last minute advice for anyone who's, any guys who are going through this, who might be struggling? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, 
it's a long process and it can be frustrating and it's stressful and it can strain your relationship with your wife, but just roll with it and understand what you're shooting for and, and what the outcome might be. The things you're doing might very well lead to something very special. And that was our experience. We have the two most beautiful daughters anyone could ever have. It took us a long time. It took us a lot of stress. It took us a lot of sleepless nights and, and worry and everything about, is this all worth it? And suddenly it was. Suddenly there they were in our arms. And I didn't think about all these things I've just comically complained about anymore. And I think anybody who's listening should have that in mind if they're annoyed or stressed or bothered by some of the things you have to go through to do this. It, it's, it, it, it really is worth it. That's a great, that's a great point to end on. Thanks, Bill. Give me a kiss. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. So that was my interview with Bill. I hope you enjoyed it. And like I said at the top, I was really proud that he did that. And I apologize if the sound was a little weird. I kept trying to get him to get closer to the microphone. He was not following instructions. (laughs) But I think... I know, right? But the content was gold. I think he had some really good things to say. And I hope it was encouraging for some men out there. Um. I've had guys ask me, sorry, no, on YouTube, ahead. like, they're like, could you have Peter talk about going yes. through infertility? And I was like, I'll ask him. And of course, yeah. Peter said no. Right. Like, Peter barely, I can barely get him to come on my channel anyway. So Right. But, and certainly not to talk about his schlong. Plus, yeah, plus it was me that was the problem. So... He yeah. didn't quite have that infertility right. guy he, experience. Right. Yeah. There's, I agree. I get a lot of men asking about Bill too. And there's, there's, like I said, in the top of that interview with him, there's just not a lot out there for men. Like there's a lot of resources for women, but there's not for men. So I'm glad he did that. We're adding to the... The resources for men. So for way Bill. to go, Bill. Yeah. yeah. If you want to hear more from Bill, let us know. <laughs> yeah. And if uh, you want to hear from Peter, I don't know if that would happen. But still let us know. Yeah. Like, if we get an army of people saying, we want to hear from Peter and his super sperm. Yeah. Then maybe. He would so. tell you about drones. <laughs> and like other nerd stuff. We just do an entire podcast about drones. It's just Peter talking about nerdy stuff. We listen to them. Some people would be into that. 
<laughs> no, there's drone podcasts. We listen to them sometimes. Like, oh boy, I'll be nice and say, hey, we can listen to your drone podcasts instead of a murder podcast or we listen to a mysterious universe mostly yeah that's a good one yeah anyway so this next section is out of the box out of the box out Out of of the the box box. (laughs) so kayla tell me how you met bill yeah speaking of our husbands we're just going to give you a brief picture of them right now I met Bill in choir. Talk about nerds. You met him in choir? (laughs) Yes. That's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah, we met in choir together. Um, He's not, he just does it for fun. You know, like everybody knows I'm a musician by profession, but he just does it for fun. He works in real estate acquisitions, but he just sings by night. so cool. Yeah. And he happens to be a really good and naturally talented singer, which kind of makes me sick because I went to school and studied this stuff and he just does it with no training. So one thing I love about him is that he's like super grounded. So he grounds me when I'm like floating off into the clouds when I'm like, you know what I should do? I should start a podcast. And he's like, (laughs) well... Maybe you need some equipment first. Maybe you need to get a plan together. You know, he's like, he roots me to the earth. That's one of the things I love about him. And uh, I just wrote down a couple fun facts and then we'll pass it over to Peter. But we're both left-handed, so that's kind of fun. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Are your daughters left-handed? Have you, uh, I'm can not you tell sure. yet? Can't tell. They're pretty ambidextrous right now. So That's we'll even see. better. Right. <laughs> you should force them to be the other hand, so then they are totally... Completely ambidextrous? Yeah. Don't do that. No. I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> mean. Yeah, I don't know yet, but um, his other fun fact is that he he wouldn't say this is a fun fact. He doesn't care about this at all, but I think it's a fun fact that he went to high school with Justin Vernon. I don't know who that is. Bon Iver. Oh, okay. Is that the lead singer or just someone so in the band? A Bon Iver is like a, a... Or is it one guy? Yeah, it's one... Well, it's a band. Yeah. All the all the indie fans out there will know who Bon Iver is. I know what it is. I just don't know people's names. Yeah. Okay. That's his... Yes, that's the lead singer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Vernon is the lead singer of Bon Iver. Cool. Were they yeah. friends? Um, they knew each other because he played in like the the jazz band Justin Vernon did, and Bill sang in the choir. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. And finally, he's a Notre Dame alum and an extremely avid Notre Dame sports fan. That's cool. Yeah, my cousin loves... went to school across the street from there. What's the girl one? St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah. Those Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> she did IVF though, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. Tell me about Peter. Peter. Okay, so how we met. Um he went to KU and my friend from high school who I'm I'm not friends with anymore, <laughs> but she went to KU and so she's like you have to come up to my party for my birthday. 
and it was her 21st birthday, and I was only 19. And she told me I couldn't drink. So I went to her party, which was at Peter's house, because she was having like a dual party with her sorority sister, whose boyfriend was Peter's roommate. So I went to this party, and my friend left me. Oh, and no. I'm super awkward. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> she left me alone at this party to go hang out with her sorority sisters, who she sees every day. Um, and she's your friend? <laughs> we're not friends now. Oh, oh, no surprise there. Yeah. So she left me alone. And her, the friend that she was having the party with, like, stuck with me <laughs> to be nice. Like, I didn't really know her that well, but... She could tell that it was super awkward for me to be alone at a party where I don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't drinking. <laughs> so, um, yeah, pretty much your introvert's worst nightmare right there. It was like, yeah, I was I felt like crying. And <laughs> so I was at this party and Peter and I made eye contact and then everyone went downstairs to the garage to play like beer pong and stuff. And I was standing by myself, of course, because I don't know anyone. And he came over and he's like, hey, do you want to be my beer pong partner? Aww. And I said, sure, if you want to drink all the beer. And so, <laughs> and he's like, he, perfect. Yeah, he was already drunk. And so <laughs> he drank all the beer. And we're both horrible at beer pong. So we lost. And then we got separated somehow. And like I ended up upstairs and... The friend of my friend got my number to him. And Mm -hmm. then we started dating long distance and we dated long distance three and a half years. Then we got married. Wow. Yeah. But we saw each other every weekend. Like we drove three hours every weekend to see each other. Oh my gosh. True love. Yes. My poor car. (laughs) And in that time, he wrecked three cars. Oh, my gosh. So when you commute every weekend, it's true love. (laughs) Yeah. So three hours each way every weekend. If you're dating someone long distance and you're like, eh, I don't really want to drive, maybe (laughs) reevaluate. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. So (laughs) that's our story. That's our story. Well, thanks for sharing. And we should probably (laughs) wrap it up there. So Yes. Let's close us close it out, Sarah. Okay. Uh, join our closed Facebook group called the Infertile Mafia. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear lots of talk about eggs and balls and stuff. And don't be afraid to give us a review. We love to read reviews. <laughs> it's our favorite thing. Yeah, we do. And in our next episode, we're going to dive into some of the most common infertility diagnoses. Di- diagnoses? Oh, diagnoses. Amanda. Mandy, help us out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's going to be like PCOS, um, endometriosis, some of those really more common ones. Um, if you think you had an uncommon diagnosis, email us and tell us about it so we can share it with other listeners. I think that's it. Thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye, Bye, everyone.